Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, a proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we are available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. It'd be a great holiday gift for Andy Martinez and myself, Tony Andraki here. And we have a special guest on this upcoming podcast. He, you, you probably already have seen this already by as you look at the title of the description, but he was the Cubs all-time holds leader, really a huge margin between him and the next guy. Uh, fourth most relief appearances, appearances in Cubs history, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Kyle Milanovic put together these stats. Uh, 413 games over the course of eight seasons with the Cubs, but Pedro Strope will be joining us in a bit. And, and Andy, as you look back at his career, like what stood out to you most from, from Strope's time with the Cubs? I think it's the longevity. I felt like you kind of almost took him for granted, right? Like, all right, you're the seventh, eighth inning guy, Pedro Strope, whatever. That doesn't happen. We see relievers, you know, maybe they're good for a year or two, and then they kind of fall off. So the really good ones that kind of stick around, and he stuck around. And it's easy to forget how good he was until you say those stats, and it's like, wow, yeah, that's right. He was good every single year. Yeah, I mean, really the fact that he had a 2.88 ERA over his career, it's third best among you know relievers with at least 250 appearances. Only Bruce Suter and Lee Smith were better than that, so that is incredible. And like you just don't see that nowadays. You don't see guys who who post up consistently. And he pitched seventh, eighth, ninth inning roles, like high leverage. He wasn't a fifth inning guy or a long reliever, but he was with the Cubs for a long stretch. And normally you see much more turnover in the bullpen. So yeah, I thought that was always incredible about Strope. And he's a guy that, you know, as he says too, coming up, like he's still trying to pitch next year and uh, he still wants to, to be out there um, competing. And I, I mean, we also, we heard some, some amazing stories from him just about competing in general out there. And including the 2018 wildcard game. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's hear this interview that we had with Pedro Stroke. All right, we're back here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Tony Andraki joined by Andy Martinez, and we're both joined by a very special guest, the Cubs all-time holds leader, one of the greatest relief pitchers in the organization, Pedro Stroke. Pedro, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thank you guys for inviting me, man. What uh, what have you been up to the last couple of years? Uh, you know, obviously we know that you played with the team uh, very recently, including in 2021. Um, but what's what's the last year plus been like? And we know that you've kind of started your other career as well as a recording artist. But just tell us a little bit about what you've been up to the last year and a half or so. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I've been playing still. Like, um, it's a little confused because a lot of people think I'm retired, which I'm not. I'm not. I went to Mexico. Um, last year I went to Mexico for, for a bit, like month and a half, uh, threw the ball well over there. And then I came and pitched and win a ball, which I was, I'm talking about last year. This year I didn't play, I didn't, I didn't want to go to Mexico or anything like that. So I stayed home with family where I was, uh, practicing and throwing bullpens and live BP and to be ready for, for, uh, for win ball this year, which, uh, I am pitching with the Escojero. Uh, Leona Escojito here in Dominican and I'm throwing the ball well and I'm um, still uh, planning to pitch in 2023. Pedro, when you came up, you, you when you first signed as a professional, you were originally a shortstop. When did you kind of realize that you could kind of make the shift as a shortstop to a pitcher? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I wanted to do it because I was having a really, really tough time uh, to recognize pitches, so I was striking out a lot. And I was like, man, I got a good arm, and I I can throw a split finger, I can throw a slider, so I think I can I can make us as a as a pitcher. 
But uh, the Rockies organization by then, they didn't want me to put me on the mounds uh, yet. They said uh, that they believed that I could, I could be a really good shortstop and they really believed that I was going to, I was going to hit and at some point I was, I was going to figure it out. But um, on one time they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to listen to you. Let's do it. And it worked out really good and, uh, until I have to kind of, I had a little, little bump on the road, which uh, I have a, a stress fracture in my right elbow and we have to go to surgery and they put a screw in there. So I lost a year and doing rehab and all that, but I, everything after that worked out really well. Do you wish you had an opportunity to hit more in the big leagues? Uh, we know, obviously, you had a few chances, and then I, we found a clip of you taking Anthony Rizzo deep at a workout at Wrigley in, like, 2015-16. But do you miss uh, chance, you know, wishing that you had a chance to, to hit more in the majors? Definitely, yes. I was always chasing the opportunity to swing the bat. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I have couples. I have uh, – uh, I didn't get a knock. I didn't get a base C, but uh, he hit the ball really well. I remember against the Pirates, I hit a, a rock to center field, which my cushion was surprised. It was like, he was like, <laughs> gave that weird, <laughs> he gave that weird face, like, uh-oh. And then the only knock I got was against Rizzo. He 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 said he was struck me out. I was like, no chance, Rizzo. I smashed that fastball, 86, 85, I smashed that thing. And he didn't believe me until I, I, I hit a homer against him. <laughs> so you remember that vividly? Like you remember that interaction with Rizzo and, and him talking smack and then you taking him deep? Yeah, of course. It was the whole season. He was like trying to – like host is talking like, let's do it. Let's do it. I know after the season, the day we're going to we're going to the field to pack, that day I'm going to – we'll we'll do it. And I remember that day I was just packing my stuff and he came to my local, Pedro, I'm ready. I was like – I don't want to do it, bro. I'm I'm like sore back and all that, you know, long <laughs> season. And he's still like, let's do it. I was like, okay, all right, let's do it. He just threw two pitches and I caught him. <laughs> That's awesome. What did he say afterwards? What was the, did you have the smack talk to him? He he gave me the, uh, I think it was the bat. He, he signed my bat. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that bat here at home. Um. You came up, struggled with the Orioles, and then you got traded to the Chicago Cubs. What what kind of changed? Because once you got traded to the Cubs, it kind of seemed like everything started working out. You kind of figured things out. What did you change? What had kind of happened in that season when you were traded to the Cubs? Yeah, I think, um, you know, after the World Baseball Classic, it was a weird – I don't know what happened. Like, all the guys that pitched a lot in the in – the, and that World Baseball Classic it was me, Fernando Rogni, and um, Kelvin Herrera. Somehow we started to see some weird, like struggling. And the the Orioles, the, they you know like they was trying to like the look on the mechanic and all that. So I never was of that type of pitcher. Just like I, I never like depend that much on mechanic. It was it was me. Competing with a hitter, that's that was my my always my focus. But then by them, they were trying to figure it out what happened. Like I I, I came I came from a really good year in 2012. It was basically my breakout year with the Orioles, and, and nobody could understand why after I have a really good uh, 
series in the World in the World Series, and I mean the World Baseball Classic. So mechanic and I, I went off. I, I was lost. And then when I first, when I when they trained me to the Cubs, I remember. Um, I went to the office with um, Bill Swing, and they they showed me some video when I was good. I was like, listen, when you were good, you were doing this, 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 and that. We, we, we just want we, we just want you to do what's comfortable for you and compete, and that was it. Like I was just there competing, and everything just started changing. So we, obviously that trade, you know, you and Arietta came over from Baltimore. It's one of the greatest trades in Cubs franchise history, but it's also something that Jed Hoyer has said is one of his favorite moves that he's ever made as a, you know, uh, president or as a GM. And part of that is a big reason for you, Pedro, is, is that he said even recently and also a couple of years ago that he was like pounding the table to make sure that you were a part of the trade coming back. Have you ever heard that from Jed? And like, what's your reaction to, to hearing something like that, knowing that he wanted you to be a part of it? And then obviously it paid off huge for the Cubs. That was fun to watch um, Jed the other days talking about it because, you know, we never find out what is behind that doors, how how they negotiate, negotiate those, those deals. Like, I, I never I never knew. I knew that, that they trained me was – it was the reason why they trained me, and the reason was they want they want me, so that make you feel good. That's all I always say. I want to be whatever they want me to be. That's where I want to be. So um, uh, they get they they gave me a lot of confidence. They a lot of respect. Um, the organization overall was unbelievable. Coaches, teammates, everything was good, and and all that make you feel comfortable and, and perform, perform better. So um, I know I have my stuff. I just needed at that point, I just needed the confidence, which I got it from, from, from the, from the front office, Theo, Jed, and, and, and my teammates. So um, I think that was a huge part for me. The, the jump from, from the really bad slump in Baltimore to be back on my track, which I was, it, which it was get people out. But here, Jed, the other day saying it, it was, it was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, that's really cool. And I kind of want to fast forward a little bit to 2015. You guys are going into that season. You bring in Joe Mad and you bring in John Lester. What was the buzz going into that season? Did you really, did you guys feel like, man, we are, we're going to be pretty good. We have the chance to do something special here. Yeah, man, when I first got to Chicago, I see we were in last place and the stadium was, Pat, I was like, man, what's going on? We're in last play, and day games every time, and in the stadium always packed. I was like, man, those fans deserve better. Let, let's do something. I mean, we we start like building up, building up, and then every time you see they do a move, like okay, they sign a big free agent. Like the guys who were there, we were happy. Me and Starling Castro, Rizzo. All the guys that were there, we're, every time they signed somebody, we were happy. Like, listen, they, they're going to do something. They're going to build up a winning team. And we want to be part of that. So let's, let's, let's keep doing it. Let's keep granting. And when they signed John Lesson and, and Joe Madden, it was like a huge, um, how you say, like a huge um, push for, 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 like, for a goal. Like, okay, it, it's coming. It's coming up. Let's stay ready. Let's do it. 
And the, those two guys, like Joe Mann and, and John Lester, those signs, when they signed those guys, it, it, I think was the beginning of the of, of big things. What was it like playing for Madden? I, I remember even in that first year that he was here, he gave you a day off and then like you got, you had a beach day, like you had a little thing of sand in the locker room and stuff. Like what was it like playing for him with some of those like fun type gimmicks? He was fun, bro. He, he, he's fun. I have no, no, I mean, I don't know how to describe He's fun. He's uh positive. And, um, that day I remember he was using me a lot. I was pitching a lot, a lot, a lot, like three days, one day off, another two days. And then they say, oh, man, tennis shoes next day, tennis shoes. And I remember I put my tennis shoes. I, I mean, I got to the field, which I got a little later than usually because I was like, okay, I'm not pitching tomorrow. I'm not. So let me, let me get a little more time in bed. And when I got there, I saw that in my locker. I saw like a, the sand. I saw like share two presidentes I said, <laughs> oh man that, that's cute and that was him saying that okay it's my bitch day it's the day off <laughs> that was funny that's awesome uh pedro you were a guy that when you're when you're out there on the on the mound you have a big moment you weren't afraid to show the emotion is there a celebration when whether it was an out or a strikeout that you had that was your favorite what what what, what comes to mind there yeah man like Sometimes, like, like I think I said it before also in other interviews, like, sometimes when I see videos of myself, I was like, man, this is me? Like, <laughs> it's something that come, it comes out, like, you don't even plan to do it. It's come out automatic, automatically. And, like, I remember my best one was on the work hard game against the Rockies. And I was really excited and pumped up because I was hurt. I was I had a really bad injury in my left hamstring. That was 2019. 18. 18. 18 yeah. against the Rockies. Yeah, 18. So I was I was hurt. And then they were saying, like, listen, <clears throat> you cannot be on that roster because <clears throat> you're still hurt. And like uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make sure you're good for the next round. I was like, but what about if they're not a next round? <clears throat> I want to make sure I can help my teammates to get to that next round because I know if they get to that next round, I know it's gonna be a tough team to beat. So I wanna be, I wanna beat in that roster, and then I push, push, push until they say, okay, yes, let's do it. I threw a boop, couple of bullpens, and I was I was hurt. I was, I was hurting, and finally they say, okay, yes, you're gonna be in the roster, and then. He came out of the opportunity on the night with a tight game, which I had to call in that game. And I was already pumped up, like jogging to the mound, I was pumped up. And when I got that, that third out with a strikeout, I was really like satisfied. I was really happy that I, I was giving my team another opportunity to win that game to pass to the next round. And I remember we we lost in the extra inning game in the extra innings, but at the same time we we gave what we could. I mean, we we gave a hundred percent of a hundred percent, and that that that's why I remember that one like the most excited one. I couldn't even walk the the rest of the game in the in the in the clubhouse. I was limping and it was hurting, but it felt good. I, I gave 
everything for that for that for that team. Pedro, given the circumstances, was that one of the t the toughest games that you had to pitch in? Just given that you're so hurt and that it's do or die game, was that one of the tougher games you had to pitch in? Definitely, and and, and not because the 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 tight game in the nine and the work hard game. It was just because I knew I wasn't a hundred percent, and I knew I was really hurt, not not sore. I was really hurt, and and I knew, and I and I, you know, I lied to them. Like saying, oh, yeah, I can, I mean, <clears throat> I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm not 100%, but I'm good, which I knew I was really hurting. Yeah. And I, but, but I also knew that I could compete in a, in, a, in a high leverage situation, which when you get to a high leverage situation, there's a certain level that you can you can deal with pain if you get to that level, like, like to level of a of a leverage. So I, I knew I know myself. I was like, listen, if I get to the game, which is is one nothing in the nine, and I have to come and save the game, I'm gonna be able to save it because I know my adrenaline is gonna take me to the level, and I won't I won't feel the pain until I get out of the game, and and happen just like that. <laughs> Would you have been able to pitch in the next round if you guys advanced that year, or were you still that hurt? I don't think so. Wow. Like if we if we're gonna go to the next round, I wasn't gonna be able to pitch. Wow, that is impressive for sure. Um, I mean, just even that injury when that happened in like mid-September of 18, like you're running the bases, was that instantly what went through your head? Because you guys were obviously in good position, the standings and stuff, and had a tough schedule. But did, was that, did that come in your head at first was like, bam, like now I might not be available for the playoffs? Yeah, man, it definitely came to my mind. And it was tough because like when they gave me an opportunity to swing their bat, they, they told me like, listen, David Martinez, and Joe, they told me, like, listen, you're not running. You swing the bat and just jog to first if you have to jog. And I was doing it. Like, I hit the ball, the third, and I would just easy jog into first. But then uh, my weeder was the catch, their catcher. Somehow he couldn't find the home play or something. I just felt like the throw was, like, taking a lot to cross to, cross to first. And then I kind of looked back. And I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna beat it. And then I that's when I tried I tried to run, and that's when I heard my hamstring trying to trying to be trying to be the throw the first. So that's what I'm talking about. Adrenaline take you to the level. Like even I got told like you're not running. There was a, a point that I said, okay, I can beat that throw, and it's not gonna be a double play. And that's when I got hurt. <laughs> Was it tough because 2018 you had such a great year, you know, 60 games, two, your ERA in the twos. Was it hard to have that happen when you're on such a good run and you know that the postseason's right around the corner? Was was it tough? Was it a sour note for you to end the season? It was really hard mentally. Like, I, I know I was like, I was like, man, they told me not to run. Look now. Now I was, I, I, not, I was trying to help him to be the double play, like maybe to give another chance my teammate to, they get a couple of couple of more runs in the board. And, and now <clears throat> I'm gonna be in a DL dealing with Hammy. And, and mentally I was like, I was really down, but like at the same time, I was like, listen, you do what you need to do and get back. And get back and you're gonna be you're gonna be able to be in the playoff. And then I, I really focus on my on my rehab and all that, but still, it, it was too damaged. Rewinding back a little bit to 
some of the happier memories, and especially in the playoffs in 2016. Like before that season, you know, the Cubs added Jason Hayward and brought back uh, Dexter Fowler. Ben Zobris was added. Like you guys obviously were coming off that big 2015, beating the Cardinals in the playoffs, going to the NLCS. Can you take us inside what that clubhouse was like in 2016, what it was like? You know, was it World Series or a bust? Like, how was it around you guys, and what was the level of confidence knowing or thinking that, hey, we're going to end the Cubs championship drought and we're going to win this thing? Yeah, man, at some, some point, like, we, we, we thought that 2015 was the year. We were, like, really tight. Our clubhouse was, like, the way it was for a long time. Everybody was unique. Everybody like respecting, uh, respecting everybody, each other. It was like, it was a perfect clubhouse. We were just depending on whatever happened in the, in the field, which we were doing a good job also in the field. And we got beat by the Mets, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and we really thought that was that was gonna be the year, and then we swallowed that one. We came back next year saying, "Okay, let's let's pick it up, and let's get let's let's be, let's turn that year like it's gonna that's gonna be our year." And at some point, you know, thing looks like difficult. Like when we we went we were behind the series against Dodgers, and there's there's an interview where I said it in YouTube. I think I I saw it when I said, "Hey, listen, we have win." couple of straight games before why cannot do it now we can we can win three three straight games we don't have many times during the season so let's do it i said it to my teammates and then i said it in an interview later and it happened just like that and then again against the cleveland indians the same thing happened we were behind in the series and i said it again listen boys let's do it we've done it before we've done it before and then we were just screaming all over the club, how every time we've done it before, let's do it. And then it was like really dramatic playoff for us. And but like we always kept it unique, we always kept it together. We always like we were always pushing to the same direction. And I think that was that made the difference. And then you all know that that meeting and that game seven where Jason Hayward step up and said it like, listen, we're here. Because we're the best in the world. But now is the time to show it up. Let's show that we're the best in the world. We not we haven't lost the game. We, the game's just tight. Let's fight. And everybody kinda kinda came up because the team was a little down when 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 we when they when they tied that game. We were lucky that um that we got that rain delayed and, and Jason had the opportunity to talk to us, but everybody was down. On that moment was, but man, that was like really dramatic. And but like like I said, the reason that we we were together and this push into the same duration, I think that was the the difference. For you, when when you guys win it all in, in sixteen, what what's going through your head when that final out's made? What do you remember about that that night when you guys are actually World Series champions? And does that does that do you ever think back about that moment when you guys finally won it all? Man, that, that's that. Like I said, sometime before, also like, um, it, there's no world, um, no no word to describe that feeling. That was unbelievable. Like, like, it's a dream coming through. Like you, you have your eyes open 
seeing that you're the champ, that you want that you want it all, and, and all the work, all the work from the from office, coaches, players, teammates, uh, family pushing for us, uh, um, babysitters taking care of our kids when we were, when we're working inside, when our wife are pushing for us in the stands. All that work together, you see it in that moment when you see that you came that traffic that we won it all. And and what to make it better also was that the fans never give up. Like I said earlier, they never give up. When I went there in 2013, we were in last place and the field was full, was packaged. Full, 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 full every time. Those bleachers. Everything so well deserved for the fans and and it was it was unbelievable, man. It's still it's still like I'm still go to bed and look look up and like listen. I'm I'm a part of a huge history in Chicago and, and it was 108 years without winning one, the longest ever. I'm, if I'm I don't know correct me correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. It, it I mean I'm so. I feel I feel like blessed that I was part of that group. How often do you uh, like look at your World Series ring or anything like that? Do you do you wear it ever? Like, cause we had Ron Coomer in here on the podcast a little bit ago, and he wears it a bunch. He was wearing it on the podcast, and is that something that you bust out and wear every now and then? Yeah, sometimes I, I wear it, and I wear it really proud. You know, and you know me, I love, my, I like my swag, my flow. <laughs> so yes, sir, I wear. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be going on the Cubs convention the, uh, next next month, and I'm gonna be wearing that thing <laughs> for sure. Um, you you mentioned you're gonna be here for Cubs convention. Cubs fans adore you. You've you have a special connection in your eight years here. Do you have a favorite memory about the city or the fans in your time here as a Cub? Definitely yes. I always um, I always um, like the convention because that that's the the way you get to get closer to the to the fans. Sometimes when you're playing, you don't have time to be signing and, and you know talking with your fans like that. Sometimes the fans get frustrated sometimes because sometimes you in a hurry and sometimes they ask you for something. Say, hey, I can't now. And it happened to me before sometimes people like, oh, come on, man, come on, you know, like, but the the time on the convention is the time that when you can interact with fans, uh, most, the most, you know, the, the most that you can interact with fans is in the convention. So I always liked it. And we keep in like me and the, the front office and the guys, we still have good relationships at uh they they say they want me to be there. I was definitely I want to be there. So are you gonna come back for a game at Wrigley? Because I think you were at one late in the twenty two season, right? Are you gonna come back for another one in twenty twenty three at all? Definitely, I want to play. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, I'm I'm still got it. I'm still missing bats, and I'm hurty. I'm, I'm throwing the ball really well here in the Dominican. So. I'm ch- I'm chasing for a chance to be to compete in spring training. I don't know if it's gonna be with the Cubs or who, but I would love to be competing with someone in spring training. But depends if I'm not if I don't get a job. 
uh, any any of those bullpens, I might come back for more than one game. <laughs> okay. Watch the boys and, and interact with the fans and go. I mean, I got a house in Chicago. I always go around, visit my friends around. So, yeah. When you're talking about pitching, you know, one of the questions I always ask relievers is what's the main difference between closing or being like a setup guy pitching in the seventh or eighth inning for you you did both and you did both here at Wrigley like you said with a packed house what was the major difference for you between those two roles getting the last three outs or pitching in the sixth seventh eighth inning yeah I mean closing games the difference closing games and and, and pitch seven eight innings is like if you pitch in the seven eight innings you don't have a chance to to kind of think much you get you get you get there right on the, on the and you know like in the fire like okay sometimes there's two men on base you got to get ready to go there and but like for me the difference in the nine was like you know that you're winning the game and you know when you win the game you're gonna be pitching and then sometimes you 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 could put a little pressure on yourself because knowing that uh, all the all the work that your teammates have put in that game. It's on your hands now on the ninth, the ninth inning. You, you, you don't want to mess it up. Instead of uh, in the seventh inning, even if you give up a run, the game is tight, the, the boys still have another two chances to, to win the game, which is all about it's all about winning. So in the ninth, if you give it up, give it up. <laughs> So that's I, I think that's a little difference. Like you, you could put pressure if you throw in the ninth inning, but for me, it was something that I, I I was able to handle. Like, listen, just make your pitch to compete with the hitter. That's 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 the simple that you can do it. Pedro, for the the fans watching at home on the video uh, on the video form of the of the podcast, we can see your hat to the left. Where did that? Where did the hats to the left star? Where did? How did that kind of come about? And why? Why? Why did you start doing it? Yeah, I had to explain that a lot because sometimes, I mean, in the beginning when I first got to Chicago, people was saying a lot of a lot of like saying that that was disrespecting for the game, and I have to talk about it because I never mean to disrespect the game or nobody at all. It was just a bad habit that I created somehow. I don't know how, <laughs> to be honest. Like when I first got to the big league with the Rangers, I remember I even got fined a couple of times with like, the pitching coach, uh, Maddox. She's a pitching coach for the Cardinals, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He just actually went back to Texas. Yeah. He was my pitching coach when I first got to the big league with the Rangers. And I got fined a couple of times because of that. And, uh, and I mean, I was I, there was a time when I told him, "Listen, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have to stay with all my money because <laughs> I can put it, I can put it straight, but then after the pitch, always I go, you know, pitcher always goes somewhere when they throw a pitch. So that was my go-to after a pitch. Like every time I go and grab my hat, and the hat automatic going to the left, to the left side, and when he finally. Saw it that it wasn't something that I wasn't like doing it on purpose. They 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 let me they let me alone. Like I remember Adrian Bertrand in third base. Also, he always say like, "Hey, put your straight." <laughs> <laughs> and then I explained to him too. And then he 
he was just doing it, but like not to, not seriously. He was doing it just to mess around with me. And but like, yeah, I never mean to disrespect nobody, disrespect the game. It was, it's it just a bad habit that I create. Just I don't know how. You mentioned Belcher. That's kind of a, a good lead in here, and we'll, we can finish on a fun one, Pedro. Who was one of your favorite teammates? Uh, either with the Cubs or elsewhere in your career, and why were they your favorite teammate? Man, I want to stay neutral with that because I have a lot of good teammates. <laughs> All right, who are your favorite few? Then? I can mention a couple of names, but, like, first, Jason Hayward, uh, Nelson Cruz, uh, Adrian Beltre, uh What? I mean, I have – Hobby Baez, Stalin Castro, Anthony Reese. I mean, I have a lot of good teams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to stay in the middle with that because it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of names. What what was it about any of those guys that just made them good teammates? And, and when you were playing, you know, obviously still playing, but like, what was it that you tried to do to be a good teammate to others? Because we know you were a leader to Javi Baez and Starlin as well, like when you were here, but... What was it that you tried to do, um, and then what was it that you looked for in a teammate? Man, just the, just implement the, the fact that uh, it's a game. Even it's it's a, it's a serious game, and, and you know you you want to win, but you gotta have fun. Somehow there's not possibility that you stay in this in this game long long time if you don't if you don't if you don't have fun. Like, listen, if you don't have fun, you're not going to be in that, in that game for, for a long time. So uh, implementing that as a clubhouse and, and, and make guys understand that we got to have fun. This is this is our house. And then I pass more time with my team than I pass with my wife and kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we we have fun. And, and whenever it, it doesn't matter what problems I have outside of, of the field, I never brought it to the to the to the field to the clubhouse. Like that's the thing that make you make you interact with your teammates and and then when they got to the same page, it just fun. Police like police ourselves, you create respect. Like police ourselves when when I do something wrong, they 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 didn't have any any fear to come to me and say, Hey Pedro, I think you cannot do that. You got to do it that way. And the other way, me saying it to one of those boys, like, we not fear that I'm going to get any any crazy answer back or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, my battle. Or if we have to discuss why it's not a good thing to do and that time or that particular time or whatever, like, you create that that, that respect, that family, and, and that's what what create good teammates. Well, Pedro, this has been a blast. We really appreciate you hopping on here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. We hope to see you at Cubs convention soon and then back at Wrigley, either pitching on the mound or in the stands. However, we want we definitely want to see you, and I know Cubs fans would love that as well. Hey, thank you guys for reminding me, man. And uh, I'll be here if you need me anytime. Sounds good. Thank you, man. All right, man. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. 
You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? Wait, what? I'll take $300. $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $300? $